This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me. The interview subject, or the conversation I should say, that I have lined up for you is with Jeff Walker from one of the greatest heavy metal outfits of all time, a little old group called Carcass. Now, the compelling event for the chat with Jeff is the new release for 2021 from the group. It's a new studio album. Its name is Torn Arteries, and it'll see Light of Day on the 17th of September. This is an interesting conversation, to say the least. I think it's, it's probably fair to say I was far more excited to talk to Jeff than he was to talk to me, but that's not having any, that's not throwing shade on Jeff at all. As he explains, doing these phonograms, these interview blocks, it's not really his thing, but I appreciate the fact that he was available and willing to go down the rabbit hole on so many topics that I bring up. So here he is, <laughs> the one and only Jeff Walker from Carcass. Is that Andrew? It is. How are you going? I'm good. Yeah. Great, mate. Yeah. Well, well, I've been looking forward to this chat. It must be said for, uh, I don't know, how long has it been now? 30 years <laughs> since well, your first. I, lo- I look forward to disappointing you. <laughs> I'm sure you're not going to do that, mate. But first of all, how the call's been going with the Australian media types, the us indie journo types? Fine, fine. I'm, I'm getting to that point where I'm hating interviews. So. <laughs> no, okay. No, that's fine. I get it. Look, I've spoken to a bunch of your contemporaries through the years, and I know how it is. You do these grinds. They're pho- they're called phonograms, right? And uh, you uh, ask- I mean, it's not, not it's not not really. I mean, but I, what I do find strange is like the the, the promotion departments and labels think it's a great idea to to give you whatever five interviews to do when you could easily do one a day. It'd be a lot more enjoyable than like being thrown under the bus and being expected to drag yourself out of bed and do three hours of interviews in a, in a row, you know. Don't worry, I'm fine, mate. I'm really, jo- I'm really joking. I'm, you know, no, I mean, it's all good, I get it. Interviews depend on who you're speaking to at the end of the day. You know, how, how enjoyable depends on, you know, the conversation you have and how, you know, how, yeah. how interested the person you're talking to is, you know. If someone's not interested in the band and they're asking the same boring, tedious questions, and obviously that's a bit of a, a drag, but, you know. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to drop you in it then because I plan on uh, featuring you in my book. So I've written I've written one volume already with Bill's in it, and uh, I spoke to him. I spoke to him a couple of times actually, just doing this sort of stuff. But um, when it came up that because I know how rare it is, I'm not going to say rare it is for you to do press, but it doesn't. I've been doing this about five or six years, and this is the first opportunity I've had. So well, that's because we that's because we don't release an album for seven years. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but it's, look, sometimes, like with guys like Carl too, Carl Willits too, it's a bit like that as well, but with Memoriam reactivated, or not reactivated, but with him reactivated in Memoriam with Scott Fairfax, there's more opportunities now to chat to, I'm not going to call you an elder statesman, I wouldn't do that to you, but you know what I'm saying. The music of our youth is what I'm talking about. You know, the guys in Benediction, Paradise Lost, uh, Cradle of Filth, but, you know, the Stuart Anstice version of Cradle of Filth, even though I've spoken to Paula Lender too, all great guys. Napalm, Extreme Noise Terror, Anathema. This is the music that got us up out of bed when we hated school. You, you know what I'm talking about. Now, now it puts you to bed, puts you to sleep. <laughs> 
Not you guys. Uh, I have said that to some people, you know, more of the black and metal stuff because it's got a lot of swirling keyboards and the like, and some of that does genuinely put me to sleep, to be honest with you, but, but not you guys because you're back now. And if you've been keeping count, this is your sixth album, Torn Arteries. Is it? I keep thinking it's seven. Hang on, it's my maths terrible. Oh, I could be wrong, but I thought it was your sixth. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Hang on, Rick, Symphonies and Cross, Artworks. What? No, it's our seventh. It's seventh. Okay, I'm bloody wrong. There well, you which go. one are you missing out? <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe one of the early ones. See, I, I'm more of a heartwork guy in terms of that was the. I mean, you, you, your favourite album is the album you first heard. So yeah, you know, you know how it is. Like, I was never one of those guys. I remember the old school guys when I was back in the early 90s who were talking about not liking your recent material being the stuff that was coming out in 92 and 93, but I didn't, I, I couldn't understand it. You guys were re, you guys were recasting the uh, heavy metal die. You missed out on the great stuff. Sorry, <laughs> well, that's what they bloody say, mate, but I couldn't give a shit. But it's, you know, but this album here, so I've just to, I've done 650 interviews all with people like yourself or in the underground and I've always said that you guys were the first and you're giving the young whippersnappers out there a none too subtle reminder that you're still the kings of grooving heavy metal. The metal that turned the genre on its head back in 91, 92, that sort of an era. So I have had a listen to Torn Arteries a couple of times because John sent it, sent it through and it's one of those those killer albums where I just don't think Bill has it in him to, to conjure a shit riff. They're almighty again. But it's putting them all together on an album that just warms the cockle, so to speak. And, uh, look, you'd never know that the dear old Ken and uh, Michael Amott were no longer in the band. And with the greatest of respect to Dan and Tom, such as the job that they are doing, fitting in with what the legacy well, that yourself... Well, Tom, Tom doesn't play on the album, so that's why. <laughs> oh, is that right? Okay, there you go. Mm -hmm. oh, it's, it's all, uh, yeah, it's all Bill. There you go. But uh, yeah, okay, that's interesting. Okay, but uh, but look, overall though. Well, all... maybe, maybe, well, maybe you're our perfect demographic then. You know, how old are you? I'm 43. Yeah. There you go. Then that's exactly our demographic. <laughs> yeah, I ma look. We're I imagine gonna, it would we're, be. We're not going to get any uh, teenage kids getting into this album. I know that. So. Uh, but you, but, you, but your your generation's got more uh, disposable income, so it makes more sense <laughs> to chase after you guys than than teenagers who don't buy records anyway. So <laughs> no, they don't. They they listen to bloody Spotify, and um, and that's about okay. it. But um, I have plenty of them communicate with me that listen to my podcast, and they communicate with me well, a lot a lot from your part of the world in Ireland as well. Uh, about some of the conversations I've had. So I think I'm turning a lot of the younger people onto the stuff that I would call my music, Carcass, My Dying Bride, etc. Um, but look, I'll get back to the point because it's, it's, a, it's a hell of an album and I've only listened to it half a dozen times or so, but yourself and, and Bill, you must be thrilled with how it's turned out. I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm not thrilled. I mean, I'm kind of... Indifference, it is what it is. Maybe it's because it's been finished so long, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, my feelings are it's, uh, yeah, it's a very strong Carcass album. Um, I'm not here to say this is our best album and these are usual hyperbole bullshit that bands will say. And, um, all I can say is if someone likes Carcass, then, or, or you know, 
Oh, if they like the last album, uh, no, if they like Heartwell, they should like this, you know. So um, mm. I think it's definitely Carcass, and I think it's a strong Carcass album. But I've, I'm not that enthusiastic that I can say I'm thrilled, but I'm not sure I get thrilled about anything in my life at all, honestly. But. Um, <laughs> You've just been around you know, the block too be, often. I, you know, I have to try and be objective about it. Um, yeah, I'm happy it's finished. I'm happy, it's, I'm, happy it's, I'm happy it exists, you know, because it can be quite hard yeah. just getting from pen to paper to the finished thing. You know, it did take a long time uh, to get there. And I'm glad it's coming out finally. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't make any difference if we left it another year or another five years. I don't think it would age the album, you know, it's, um, mm. we're not summing up the zeitgeist of any particular period or, yeah, I mean, it, it just sounds like carcass, you know, so. I agree. But that's a beautiful thing, you see, because you're not trying to reinvent the wheel, you're keeping the legacy alive. And uh, it's, uh, I, I say this just with, with you being the voice of the band on, on the phone. Now, I, uh, I always remember when I first heard you guys, because as I got into the more grooving stuff, not the necrotic shit, that's all great stuff too, by the way. I love it nowadays too, but it wasn't what I first got into. But you guys were just modern Iron Maiden to me. And I think you had that impact on so many people of my generation. When It, it, it depends which period of Iron Are you talking the Blaze Bailey period? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely bloody not, that's for sure. Poor old Blaze, eh? I've talked about this a lot on the podcast and uh, just buddy Steve, mate. I don't know where he had his head at when he didn't tune down half a step so as though Blaze's baritone could actually do something in that band because it's I can't listen to those two albums. I don't know about you. but um, Yeah, I've not, no, never been interested in mean, But the, the 90s was a horrible decade anyway, so what can you say? Just talking about the 90s because the, the band sort of... I don't know whether you'd say ran out of steam or, or what whatever happened, but I mean, Swan Song's a great bloody album. It, did it? I don't know how else to frame this, Jeff, but did it? Did it hurt the way that fans and some of the media types were just? Because I remember the reviews; they were stupid. Did, were you indifferent back then to the way people were just reacting to you guys because you guys were just doing your thing, or did it actually cut to the to, to the bone a bit? Really don't re- remember. I don't really remember being butthurt about anything. Um, I think I was intelligent enough to see, to see it coming. I mean, part of me thinks there's going to be some of that on, about this new album. In all honesty, uh, I, that's my take on it. I think you just. A ch- I mean, the the danger is if you. I mean, it's dangerous if you read your own reviews and you just you're asking for it, you know. So I, I yeah. try not to read our own reviews. I mean, uh, see what gets what's annoying is uh, negativity doesn't bother me. You know, criticism doesn't bother me. It's just when it's wrong that it bothers me. But then a good review or praise bothers me when it's wrong as well. You know, it's you know I don't like either when it's incorrect. You know, getting like a positive review for all the wrong reasons is just as annoying as someone saying an album shit. So I think with Swan Song looking back, I don't really remember. I don't remember much getting much feedback at the time. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. I mean, the album is very, it does seem much maligned, but then there is a, a, 
quite a large cult following for the, the album. I don't think it's fine. I think our, every band's got to make a, and I say this loosely, uh, mm. every album's sorry, every band's got to make a bad album. If you haven't made a bad album, then you're not a real band, you know. It's just what happens in your career, you know. So uh, I don't know whether I'm you guys have though. It. I'm glad yeah. I'm glad we made it, no matter what the outcome was, you know. Yeah, I, I hear you, but as a fan, I, I don't know whether you guys have. I often use that. Look, there's a big jump between necroticism and heartwork. There's no doubt about that. And it took me, I, I had to get into, I was, I was a massive Morbid Angel head, so I had to sort of get through my whole Morbid Angel thing before I could, and I'm still there, to be honest with you, but I, um, before I, I could understand how to get into some of that earlier material that is, is just revered. I mean, there's, I, I probably get, and I'm not shitting you here, Jeff, I probably get two or three albums a month that sound like Symphonies of Sickness and Reek of Putrefaction. Um, and these are new albums, by the way, or from yeah, all I mean, over I mean, the world. That's why it was finding funny that when people wins that, they wish we'd go back to that style. And I'm thinking, there's been 30 years of bands emulating that style. Go and listen to them. And they're doing mm. it so much better anyway. What's, what would be the point in us attempting? And we, we, couldn't, any, we couldn't falsify doing that anyway, so... Yeah, mm. I know what you're saying. Yeah, there's lots of bands doing that stuff. Oh, it's, it's which huge, is mate. Great. Which is yeah. great, you know, but it's not my, it's not our band, you know. Mm. Well, I don't, I, I, I don't think it ever was, and that's the thing, because I think the band came into its own on hard work. So your, your hard work is your Ride the Lightning, uh, I, if you I, know I what dis- I'm saying. I disagree. I mean, my favourite album is Symphonies, so. Is that I right? Think hard work's, I think hard work's overrated. I think... Yeah, I well, mean, I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of any of albums. I can't be, can I? You know, I'm not, not such a narcissist. You know? Oh yeah, I, I get it. I know you're, you're a humble fella, and and you seem to take things in your stride. No doubt about that. But surely, to goodness though, you recognise that after you, and I mean, you had Adrian in your band. Sorry, uh, you had Daniel Lanson in your band too. So, your, his brother's obviously Adrian. And surely to goodness you could recognise that the Swedes started to pick up on what you guys were doing without the gates and in flames and dark tranquility and all of that sort of stuff and the shift in well, the I way that... Th- I don't think any, any of those bands would ever, and I use this word in a true sense, would ever admit to any carcass influence. They were running parallel at the same time, so I don't think that's fair to say that we had influence on those bands. Oh, no, I don't think influence. I think inspire. I think inspire I is the right inspi- word. I don't, I don't think we inspired them either. I think I think Hardwork was as, as much a maligned album as Swan Song, in all honesty, back in the back at the time. I don't, re- we, I don't remember it getting rave reviews. I don't remember, you know, I don't remember it being a very positive time. There was a lot Jeez. of pushback. There's a lot of pushback against Hardwork from our own fans, you know. I remember, well, I remember your 1993 Australian tour. Cast your mind back to that one. And the coverage of your tour was the first time I'd ever seen an extreme metal band feature in, like, News Limited, Rupert Murdoch's Mastheads and, you know, regular Mastheads, Fairfax Media, this sort of thing, and mainstream publications. And I remember when I spoke to Bill, I asked him if he was aware, a bit like yourself, if he was aware of the carcass's impact on, on Australia at that time and on heavy metal. And he said he avoids contemplation on the topic a bit like yourself. So it just seems to be a narrative that you guys have in the band. Well, we we probably weren't aware then. Well, I think the thing is we were quite positive for it. Uh, uh, we were quite um, 
popular in Australia for a bit. I mean, I do yeah. recall that. But that popularity's waned big time, you know? So, um, yeah, maybe it was just, just an isolated thing, you know? What you're talking maybe, about. Maybe it was. Maybe it was just a bubble that we were in here and that yeah, I might have been the, in as well. I remember you're on the, other side, on the other side of the world as well, so. And, you know, and the problem is with European, European, English bands or British bands, we're always looking towards America, you know? And, and that's where we were probably always looking towards. We knew we weren't popular in Germany or in Europe, so we kind of gave up and we're having more success in the States and uh, Australia, I guess, you know, it was never seen as a mass. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the big markets always been or were then the States and Japan in that order, you know, mm. and then Europe. So. Why? I mean, yeah. How could you possibly answer this? But I'm going to ask it anyway. The Germans love metal, but you're right. You guys, you guys certainly, you probably weren't even as popular as Saxon or any of those sort of. Who I know are fairly big over there, by the way. But did you have any German fans ever sort of said, "Hey, we love you, but we know why other fans don't dig you as much in Germany"? Because Germany is, if if heavy metal was a country, it'd be it'd speak German. Uh, the problem is our music's not palatable enough. It's not retarded enough for the German audience. <laughs> they they like really kind of simple stuff. And when Carcass has done simple stuff like Swan Song, it's still not palatable. So um, we're not the most technical band, don't get me wrong, but we just aren't simplistic bread and butter heavy metal enough for that country, you know? Hmm. We're not a pantomime metal band, which they seem to love as well. So, yeah, I they know like what all you're the cliches. They like all the cliches about heavy metal and carcass. For the most part, has always kicked against those cliches. So, I mean, look at the friggin' new album cover. That's not going to fly well at all in the country. <laughs> like Germany. Germany just wants bloody, you know, Dungeons and Dragons paintings on the covers. You know, so. Yeah, I love the album cover, by the way, but it does look like it could be an ad for the Australian or the British Heart Foundation and their push for us all to meet, eat more vegetables. So I've got to ask, where's the inspiration for the cover come from? Well, it's, uh, the inspiration is from uh, a, a, a photograph I saw that won a competition in a Canadian hospital. So, oh, there you go. You know, yeah. there you go. I mean, so you're not far off the mark. There you go, yeah. What, what, do you, what would you say has been, we might have touched on it, but what would you say has been the biggest misconception about the group? Uh, there wasn't any. There's was always that bullshit that we were doctors or medical students, you know, but that didn't last long. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's any misconceptions, are there? Can you, can you say any? Maybe, maybe I've got the misconception. I always looked at you guys as up there with Morbid Angel and obituary and deicide as you guys were the british equivalent of the floridian big four you know yourself uh paradise lost my dying bride it might just be my era yeah maybe it's just my my era and the way that i i i mean i went to a board that's not not a misconception isn't it and it's accurate in that way you know all these bands are kind of for want of a better word i mean i'm not sure we're necessarily the first wave but we're the first wave of british but um, yeah, we're kind of old school, aren't we? So I don't think, I don't think that's a misconception. Hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. And and look, the other thing too is the the song titles. They're definitely a nod to your past there, but you've got a firm grip grip on the right now because there is some intriguing subject matter here. And I haven't been able to dive into the lyrics through a lyric sheet, but apart from what I can hear, of course, which is, and I'm talking specifically about track two and. Uh, which is Dance, and I'll probably get the pronunciation incorrect here, but Dance of Esnap and In God We Trust. What are they about? I don't want to say. Because if I say, oh, it's about this and that, it sounds really kind of... I don't know, underwhelming. I mean, what I envision, envisage mentally, hmm. it's very hard to put across. I mean, uh, I'd rather people just make up their own minds, you know. I mean, that's why the lyrics are not going to be presented in a very digestible way, you know. At the end of the day, these songs are not like basic narratives and stories. It's a lot of wordplay and um, words that are summoning up, conjuring up certain image, images and what have you. So I'd rather leave it more to the imagination. Because like if I said, oh, this song, I mean, like Iktab, I mean, the song's more about... I mean, we had a song, for example, Corporeal Jigsaw Quandary, which basically the idea was it's about human jigsaw. And Dance of Ixtab is more about a game of... Do you know the game Hangman? Yeah, of course, yeah. So it's not so too too dissimilar in that sense, but it's hard to explain without you seeing the colourful language. So it's there's no real, like, narrative. You know, there's not a story A to B. It's... Um, and the same with In God We Trust. If I said, oh, this is about, you know, you'd, be like, you'd probably yawn and think, oh, God, that sounds so cheesy. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's... I've spent so many years with people haven't even bothered asking about the, the lyrics that I really don't care anymore about having to explain them because no one's ever shown that much interest. And when I mm. wanted to talk about them, people were interested. And now people want to talk about them, I'm not interested. So... Uh, Maybe 20 years, 30 years too late. You know. No, but seriously, I'd rather let people, when they get the album, if they buy the album, they're going to see the lyrics there, but they're not constructed in a form that you're going to be able to decipher them easily. So I'd rather people just listen to the album and work it out for themselves, literally. Like, yeah. like, I mean, some people listen to music and are interested in the lyrics, and I know that, and that's probably in metal. Or whatever, probably like ninety percent of the people. Yeah, so. you're right. But yeah. the, for the ten percent who are interested, then I'd rather let them work things out for themselves. If if they've got the intelligence to be interested in the first place, then it'll make it. It'll make it'll, it'll give more longevity, longevity to the album, and it'll give people more interest if they sit there with the lyric sheets and take it in. And mm. I think my enunciation on the recording. It's for the most part pretty good, so I think yeah. people are going to be able to work stuff out themselves. Yeah, yeah, your vocal does really tear out of the the speaker. It, I mean, it has it did on the last album as well, Surgical Steel. Um, but I love what you've done this time around because I'm getting older, and look, what I'm saying is we're both getting older, and it's harder to do this sort of stuff. So. I mean, what you've produced here, is this something that you feel comfortable going out on the road if that ever bloody does happen with the way the world is at the moment and being able to sort of conjure? Yeah, it's easy. A few drinks and off you go. <laughs> hey, what's your... Um, what's Do you know, do you still talk to Nick Barker? Yeah, but I've not seen him around for a while. I mean, I'm not on bad terms with him or anything, but... Um, 
trying to think the last time I bumped. I mean, the last time I bumped into him, it was I, I played a gig with Brewery in Paris maybe two years ago. I mean, I can't what happened. Shane must have been somewhere else, so I had to fill in for him. Hmm. So that's probably the last time I saw Nick face to face. So everything's cool. It's fine. We had a good laugh. Yeah, he he told me a uh, he told me I don't know whether I'd say a funny story because I think Nick might feel differently about it, but uh, there was a there was the potential for him to join the band, and um, he told me that well, you were no, worried. No, not really. So that, now that's a misconception. It was something that was dis- that was that was kind of played around with as a thought in the same way as Adrian. I mean, lots of people have been considered. I mean, Gary Holt, almost theoretically could have been in this band you know these but these are things that like never got past you know the, th- the first thought you know have you have you thought of writing a book jeff no i mean it's something i might have considered when i was younger it's not something uh, good i Why think not? i'd be capable you know oh you wouldn't write it you get a ghostwriter and, uh, and a book about what i'm not interested in writing about the I don't think the carcass story is interesting. I don't think my life story is in- that interesting. So, uh. Imagine the tour stories that you must have from the early 90s when you were touring with guys like Ralph and Santola and Chuck Schuldiner and the like. I can't think of anything interesting, any interesting story to do with Ralph. Uh, the death tour is kind of quite interesting, but um, nothing worth writing a book about. It was more rock and roll when I worked in an office than touring in a bloody death metal band. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that might, that, no, that might, might, might make a book. A decade I spent in the civil service, but not playing in this band. More shit happened in the office than happened on tour. Just a lot. Yeah, I've worked in offices most of my life, so I know what you're talking about. There's all sorts of weird shit that goes on when yeah, you're in more, offices. Yeah, more drama, yeah. more drugs, and more more married people fucking each other than like. <laughs> that is true. That is so true. I'll never forget my wife and I. We went to the rugby one day, and uh, we walked into the office because we left our bags in there, and we walked in there, and we heard two two married two a guy and a girl married in their own way, but doing each other on the floor, and we had to sort of step around them. That was an interesting event. Shit happens like it's that. Normal, normal life in Australia, isn't it? Oh well, it's only happened once, so <laughs> I mean, uh, you're not looking. You're not looking the right places. Apparently not. No, these days you can't bloody get out anymore. Anymore, anyway. So I've been working from home for ages. You know, it's. Um, I think. I think. But t- tomorrow is the first time I can actually leave and go and pick up my work laptop, the new one that I've got. So I look forward to that. Wow. I feel like <laughs> Christmas. Yeah. Ex- exciting! Exciting! Yeah. Mate, I'm trying to think of something interesting to ask you as a last question, but I don't know whether I've got anything that's um, going to uh, send us out with a bang. So is there anything you want to talk about or anything you want to mention? No, I'm good, I think. I think I just need another cup of tea to wake up. Well, I hope I haven't bored you. I mean, you can tell I'm a fan and, you know, if ever you change your mind about writing your book, I'm a ghostwriter. I'm not pitching my services. I'm simply saying... I'm here if ever you want to chat to someone well, about well, it. Well, when I'm dead, then you can write a story about me because then I'll be a ghost. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, I will ask you this because I, I I want to put you in my next book based on this conversation here. So, are you cool with that? Yeah, fine. Cool, because I've already put Bill in one, and I would have had you in the first one, but I didn't get a chat to talk to you. So, it only makes sense. So I'll get to maybe I'll get to Ken and Michael 
and maybe even Dan and Tom in the next decade or two, and they'll make the next sort of volumes. Well, good luck with Tom. <laughs> He's stuck in America somewhere. I don't know what his future's going to be, so. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, mate, thanks for the chat. Go and get that cup of tea. Make sure it's a good, strong English breakfast or Irish breakfast tea. And uh, what time is it over there? It must be midday or something like that, is it? Yeah, it's just uh, midday. Yeah. All right, well, mate, thanks for making the music. It's been meaningful. It's been meaningful, you can tell. And I always say that to the people that I've been listening to for so long that uh, I'll never forget being a young fella in a boarding house and uh, listening to Carcass and... uh, Dissection and Benediction and all these great bands. I was the only person who was into heavy metal in the entire bloody school, but it was meaningful to me. It was important to me, and it's a real thrill for me. Believe it. Uh, I think it's important you get this feedback. You know, it's a real thrill for someone like myself to have a chat to somebody like you, mate, because you're part of the tapestry of my history, if that makes sense. All good, cool. Good to hear. No worries, brother. Enjoy. Thanks again. Cheers, Andrew. Thanks. Bye. Catch it. Bye. Well, there he is, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Walker from Carcass. Hope you enjoyed that strong black tea that he might have had after our conversation. It certainly sounded like he needed it. If you like that conversation, there are plenty more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com. Check it out. Got some archived material up there too from contributions that I've made to other websites over the years. I'm repurposing them on my new, brand new dot com domain apart from that look if i don't ask you don't know so if you could like subscribe share and all of that bullshit i'd appreciate it my name's andrew mckay smith and i'm the host of the scars and guitars podcast series until next time it's goodbye for now